Hey guys, this is your girl Amber reaching your potential. In this episode, I have a very special guest on this one. I know I had a few OT students, um, some OT professionals, but in this episode, I have a CODA, which stands for a Certified Occupational Therapy Assistant. So I'm very excited to have her here. So let's get started. So on this episode today, I have a team Yusuf. She is a CODA out in Texas. So very exciting to have her on the show. So everybody meet Fatima. Hey, how are y'all? <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Just, you know, trying to take it a day at a time. <laughs> As a new grad, mm-hmm. it's kind of like I'm getting that transition between being a student and like an actual professional. So <laughs> Right. No, I I totally agree. But thanks so much for being on here. Um, So in the beginning, I usually ask my guests, whoever is affiliated with occupational therapy, how did you learn about the profession? Okay, so I have a a bachelor's of science in public health. And once I graduated from the University of Houston, I decided that I no longer wanted to like pursue that area field. Um, So I did a little bit of research and I basically came across um, occupational therapy. So at first, I'm not going to lie, I had no idea like what it was, but what, you know, drew me closer to the profession was, I don't know, I just feel like specifically occupational therapy, it just draws people from what I hear. Um, Like it's either because of one or two things either it's like interesting or and they want to like you know read more into it which is like my case and then also at the same time I felt you know inspired by the fact that OT is like the best of bringing together creativity um, science and also just like looking at like perspectives holistically. Um, We're, you know, of course, like working with patients, treating the actual patient and then how they work and how they live in in their respective environment versus just treating their uh, diagnosis. So I think that's what, um, I guess, further drew me into the career was being able to know that I do enjoy being creative and independent in that sense, and then also helping others. Yeah, I agree. I have kind of like the similar idea too, where I didn't really learn know about OT. I had to do research on it. And the beauty of OT is colliding that creativity with science as well. So we can use our creative minds, but also our science minds to provide the best treatment for our clients. That's great to hear <laughs> that, you know, like we have similar paths of how we got into OT. Mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. And, and it's crazy because I'm in so many like different like, fa- you know, OT practitioner, like Facebook groups, whether it's like new grads, students or like, um, I guess, like client specific, like pediatric OT groups. And like a lot of the times, like whenever these questions come about, like I always see OT practitioners like from all over the, you know, uh, states and like the world, like it's almost like a similar type of thing. Like they were drawn for it for like similar reasons. And I think that's like one thing that kind of helps us feel connected, you know, as OT practitioners and help, I guess, almost like mobilize together to even, 
because in my opinion, I feel like maybe you can agree that I feel like OT is a profession that is not like widely, I want to say like understood. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, with now, I mean, I, you know, with the platform, different social media platforms, of course, I, it, it really is like inspiring to see, you know, people creating like OT pages just to advocate and, you know, I just can't wait to see like where the profession will be in the next like even three to five years. Yeah, no, I agree because it's not known. And I feel like it's especially not known within the black community Mm -hmm. because um, even thinking about like the other rehab professions, for example, PT, everybody knows what physical therapy is, but you never hear about occupational therapy at all. I remember even looking at different majors. I was like, oh yeah, physical therapy. I think I might be interested in that. And once I learned about OT, I was like, is this something new? (laughs) I never heard of it in my entire life. And it's so sad to know that it's not known because it's a great profession. So as you mentioned before, I agree that I love following other pages, whether it's Instagram pages or Facebook pages. Um, people that are just advocating for the profession, educating others who don't know what the profession is and what we can do. And for OT, we just have such a broad um, outlook on life. We can work pretty much anywhere um, as long as we can educate others on why our why they may need us at, at, in a service type of way for OT. But we can... I. Like, I don't even know. Like, there's so many settings I can think of, traditional and non-traditional, that OTs can work in. And I think that's so great that we can do that. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing also, it's funny because I'm, like, referring back to, like, one of my Facebook Facebook groups that I'm in. Um, mm-hmm. uh, someone posted saying that they think that a lot of, like, the, I guess, unknown comes from the name, occupational like a lot of the times people like the average, I guess, public thinks that it like we help people either find jobs or like they're kind of like confused yep. with it. And um, this one woman, she was saying like, it will be cool, which of course, you know, occupational therapy, we are based on helping, you know, others um, perform, you know, in their occupations, which is like the root of like the name. However, Mm-hmm. I, I just I always do wonder like if the name was different would it be like you know easier to like kind of understand what we do because for example yeah. if it was called like functional therapy or something like that like I, I almost wonder you know like how much of a difference that will make but at the end of the day I feel like you know if we can all kind of come together and then mobilize and use our creativity and you know to kind of spread the word about OT, then I feel like, you know, I feel like we can do it as like a whole population of OT. Yeah, I think that as long as all of us like come together and, you know, educate and advocate that it can make a huge difference. But I didn't even think about that. Like what if OT wasn't known as OT, if it was like functional therapy, maybe people Mm -hmm. might have an idea of what we do, but that's something to think about. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. So Fatima, let's dive in and talk about your role as a CODA, because I'm sure there's some people on who are listening to this um, episode that may not know what a CODA is or what a CODA does. So can you just give us a nice little 
idea of what you do? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so I currently um, work at an outpatient pediatric facility in Houston, Texas. Um, So basically, by definition, CODA, like you mentioned before, um, I am a licensed occupational therapy practitioner. I am a certified occupational therapy assistant, which means that um, I have like the freedom or flexibility to, um, you know, be creative and creating um, interventions or treatment plans for my patients or clients, in my case, the kiddos. Um, however, I do have a supervisor, which is an occupational therapy uh, practitioner, which is the OTR, a licensed OT. Um, and I basically, you know, at my facility, I think it's special because we have like an open door policy. Um, our, my supervisor, it's almost like we're, I mean, I know like sometimes it's not going to be like this, but I know like in my facility in particular, we have a policy to where we kind of like we're on the same like page and same level. So like she'll ask me questions or recommendations of what I think will work for a certain client just because I'm always with the client versus more like, you know, not asking me or like not having my input. And I think that's a really important type of relationship to have because it, you know, it shows that we are both OT practitioners, me at the end of the day is just one focuses, you know, myself primarily on the interventions and the other, the OTR focuses on interventions and um, like evals, like paperwork type of thing. So I think, you know, it really is important for, you know, OT assistants to kind of see those types of like relationships fostered because at the end of the day, you think about it, we are there for the client or the patient. And if we can collab and come together, then it's like, why not? Yeah, no, I, I love everything that you you talked about in terms of like your role as a CODA and how we work together, um, the OTR and the CODA. Um, sometimes I feel that people may think that like the OTR is here and the CODA is down here. Like, no, like you, as you mentioned, like we're on the same page. We're here for the client. We're here for the same purpose. The only difference, as you mentioned, the CODA is the one that's really focusing on like the interventions. And sometimes the CODA is the one that is treating that patient majority of the time versus the OTR who does interventions too, but they also do the evaluation, the assessment, and um, also like the discharging, whatever. But um, that relationship between the CODA and the OTR is so important. Um, just having that, just being on the same page, collaborating with one another, because at the end of the day, it's all about the client. It's all about the patient, making sure that they're getting the services that they need to meet their goals. And if I haven't had the opportunity to work with Lakota, hopefully in the future I do, but I wouldn't want to be that type of OTR to kind of be like, oh, well, you're Dakota, you don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I don't have that type of um, personality Mm -hmm. or character in any type of way at all. But, you know, I think as long as we all know our roles and we know what the purpose is at the end of the day, the relationship and the, the process of working with that client should be pretty smooth and sailing. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I, I mean, just to add in there, like I do plan on like bridging to get my OTR certification, um, you know, just because I do, you know, want to open up like my own, you know, business like later on down the line. So I think with that, Mm -hmm. it just makes sense for me too, personally. But I just, you know, it's just one of those things where I feel like it's whatever it works best for like that person, whether it's they decide to stay a coda, they want to bridge, like it's all based on what they feel like they, like what's best for them and their situation and what they want to do. Right. Um, Do you have kind of like a story as to why you chose to be a CODA first prior to being an OTR? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to be honest because I feel like maybe someone needs, you know, <laughs> everything needs to hear <laughs> like the motivation. Um, so I actually did apply to, so I actually applied to maybe like four or five programs, uh, master's programs in Texas. And then I also um, applied to one, one you know, OTA program. So I was waitlisted on one of the programs and um, the other four, I did not get accepted because they are highly competitive. I mean, there's like, specifically the schools that I applied to, they had over like 300 and something applicants. And it's like competing for like, between like 40 and, you know, 40, between 30 and 50 seats in the program. Oh, wow. so small. So, yeah, so of course that was kind of discouraging, but at the same time, I had to think about it as like a numbers game in a way, because I mean, you know, if they would have had like a hundred and something seats, then who knows, you know, it just literally, you know, it just wasn't my, you know, my season to, you know, be in the master's program at the time. So I actually applied and I got in um, to the OT assistant program and I just look at it as, you know, like. I guess a blessing in disguise because I just feel like it was something that fit me at the time and you know I got what I needed from it um and now I do you know after thinking about it and like you know I'm I'm a new graduate I graduated um you know this past year at the end of the year so I just Mm -hmm. like started working in the field and I feel like you know I did make a decision that in the beginning of my program, I, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to go, you know, for my master's, but then I was like, maybe, but then now I think that I do based on like my future goals. I think I do want to eventually mm-hmm. bridge. And the good thing about it, the bridge programs are that I'm able to work still. So technically right. it's not like I'm going to be like, which is fine if, you know, someone wants to do this, but I feel like for me personally, like the mental warfare, I cannot like start over and like be a student again <laughs> like a student like a full-time you know, yeah. like student like mm-hmm. the struggle it's not, it's not for me yeah <laughs> I don't think it's for both of us because mm-hmm. when you're in school for so long you're just like okay I need a break and once you kind of feel how it feels to be in like working full time kind of thing it's going to be hard to just withdraw from that you're like okay now I'm just going to be a student Mm-hmm. you know it's, it's so hard so I actually like that idea of like okay going back to school getting a master's be an OTR but like at least you have the opportunity to still work and pursue your master's which is great um sometimes it's hard to do the other way around you know like okay mm-hmm. I know I can't have a full-time job and pursue this degree like you know like as a full being a student is a full-time job within itself 
So, um, like I know for me, I didn't have a full-time job when I was um, in my program. So I was just like working, you know, a few hours here and there and called it a day. But if I had to decide to, you know, have a full-time job and still be able to go to school, like being a CODA, like initially is a great idea. And you're already in the profession. You have that experience as well. And what you're learning in school while you're pursuing your master's, you can even apply it into your job while you're working as a CODA. So it's like a win-win. Yeah, for sure. It definitely, I, I feel, you know, and based on people that I've spoken with, it goes hand in hand. And it's like, I, we already as CODAs have a foundation of OT. It's not like we're, you know, starting off like <laughs> from like, you know, point blank. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So it's, is a beautiful thing. And I love how photos and OTRs, they are still doing similar tasks. You're just adding mm-hmm. more responsibilities into, you know, the role as an OTR versus I'm thinking of like a CNA and a registered nurse. Like those are two separate roles and two different responsibilities. You know, like even working, I wasn't working like with pay, but in my field work, I remember I was seeing a lot of CNAs and nurses and their roles are two different things. So I just love how like our profession, even though we have different titles, we're basically doing the same thing. So at least Mm -hmm. it's not like, okay, I have to relearn or like learn more things in addition to what I know so far. Yeah, I just, I think if I'm not mistaken, it'll be something like more like more theories and like things mm-hmm. dealing because I know like in, in my program at least it was heavily focused on towards the end at least like the actual interventions um okay yeah so I can only imagine like you know it would be a, a combination of that plus like theory and you know why we do the things that we do as OT professionals I mean at the end of the day we're both you know licensed you know we had to take a board exam and you know <laughs> Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually want to kind of go a little deeper into that. What kind of courses are in a CODA program versus an OTR program? I can talk a little bit about like what was in my program too. So. Okay. Okay, So let me, let's see, take it back to two years ago. (laughs) If I can remember. So yeah, I started my program in 2018. um, And I was supposed to graduate in May of 2020. However, you know, with the pandemic and having to finish field work. I didn't end up finishing till late August. So like literally May, June, July, like three and a half months Mm. later and then studying for boards. So basically, let me try to remember, okay, some classes that courses that we took, we took um, anatomy, um, like for OT, um, and then uh, the pediatrics course, uh, geriatrics slash elders. We had uh, like intervention specific course, mental health. Well, yeah, so the therapeutic intervention, it was mixing like, you know, things like crafts and like activity analysis, that type of stuff, um, like the core of OT. And then before I got into the program as a prerequisite, um, I had to take an intro to OT class as well. So, okay, I think that was like the like the. I mean, I know it was more classes, but that's like the like the lump, like the heavier one. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like, 
we take those summer classes as well for the OTR program. And I believe you already mentioned like that's in addition to those classes that you took as a CODA, you will take classes that are heavy on theories, uh, frames of references, kind of like the origin of the theory, where it came from, why is it important, and also interventions that kind of align to those frames of references as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what else did we learn? We learned about assessments, so many assessments from, I remember the way that my program is set up, they have an adult block and a pediatric block. So one semester we had all adult things from adult diagnosis to intervention courses that are mostly for adults, um, assessments as well. During our grad year, we were able to take courses specifically on certain like populations or certain mm-hmm. type of diagnosis. So for me, I did adult neuro because I knew that I wanted to work with geriatrics and like the older adult population. So we had like different projects where we were able to work with patients who actually had strokes, which is great because we're able to apply all of the knowledge that we learn in courses from the assessments. How do we um, implement the assessment into initial evals? We also had a course, I believe, where we did a lot of case studies and we mm-hmm. had all these different information about this one patient and we had to go through the whole OT process from, okay, when you're evaluating the patient, what are you gonna ask them? How are you gonna explain what OT is? What assessments are you going to use? Why do you choose these assessments? And then like the results of them and then your intervention. So we really were drilled on what or how the OT process goes in when you're dealing with a patient and kind of having an idea of like your frames of references, the different assessments that are aligned to them and what interventions are appropriate for a specific patient. So mm-hmm. it, like at first I'm just like, okay, these are too many assessments or too many frames of references. I'm never gonna remember all of them. But as you, as you go about it, it does make sense. I see that I use frames of references on a day-to-day basis at my job, even though I don't specifically say the frame of reference, I know I'm like applying, my session is aligned with a specific one Mm -hmm. or theory. Mm -hmm. It it makes sense, you know, just to have like that guiding factor of why, you know, which obviously we are supposed to be, you know, doing (laughs) evidence-based practices. So it makes, you know, right. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad that I was able to learn a little bit about like a CODA program because I never had a chance to really talk to a CODA before and mm-hmm. you know see the differences especially in terms of like the education part so mm-hmm. that's cool to know thank you yeah of course um I remember like when I got in contact with you you were talking a little bit about mental health that you have a passion about it so let's talk a little bit about that like what made you um, have a drive for mental health? Yeah, sure. So, okay, for me personally, I feel like because I was compelled to, I started doing yoga, um, I guess now like 2015, 2014-ish, so about six, seven years ago. And the reason for that was because one, I was just invited by a friend to a yoga class and I've always been like open-minded 
So I'm like, okay, sure. Why not? You know, like what's the worst that can happen? And then Mm -hmm. I think I almost, I don't want to say like I got addicted, but I think it was like, I was drawn to it because it was so like, it was just an unknown territory for me. And I thought that Mm -hmm. it was cool. And I liked how I felt after it. So I, um, I volunteered at a yoga studio. Um, I mean, honestly, just to like get free classes <laughs> But then, <laughs> at a certain point, my yoga practice became, it was more than, and you know, one of my, uh, teachers, like, I remember her saying that, like, you, you know, there would be a point for some people to where they feel like yoga is no longer just physical. It's also like a mental uh, tool yeah. for them and I think maybe like three years ago like three years into like my pra- my physical practice I started maybe it was like two years I feel like maybe it was like two years yeah into my uh, physical uh, yeah physical practice of yoga is when I started to feel deeply connected and deeply rooted into wanting to see how I can apply um, just a lot of things that um I guess being into yoga can teach you such as, you know, mm-hmm. uh, calming techniques. Uh, it just kind of like reminds you on a daily to like live in the moment. And I feel like at that time in my mm-hmm. life, it was a lot of change and transition. And I feel like yoga kind of helped me to be, um, I guess, grounded per se. And yeah, those little reminders, like just, it's almost like my life, like it just helped like me to turn that switch on to kind of like remember hey I know you know there's a lot going on and the future is uncertain however all you can do um and you deserve to you know be relaxed in a relaxed state because you know I'm sure you know like when we as humans are in an unrelaxed chaotic state a lot of things bad things can happen you know on different levels and we can't like we can't function properly And I feel like just that and then um, me, I think honestly, it has, um, what's the word? Like I can incorporate that into like my practitioner, you know, as being an OT practitioner, because Mm -hmm. we do look at things holistically. And I feel like just, you know, me being someone who practices yoga. And one thing that I've learned is everyone's yoga practice is going to look different. Um, to some people, they might want it just to be more flexible or just, you know, which is fine. But I think um, you have to also be, you know, willing to know that that might not be it for you. And like, and I'm, you know, very grateful that I've found it to be more of like, it's almost like medicinal in a way. (laughs) And I I laugh when I say that, but I really do mean it. um, Because like, you know, it has helped me in times of like, you know, darkness or where I felt like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, you know, or I feel like I just feel uneasy. And once I got on that mat, or even like I consider my meditative meditation practice also like yoga for me. And Mm -hmm. also just like some, there's like literally different levels. And I encourage people, um, not only like, you know, people listening, but just if you can, you know, maybe tell your friends to try it. Like it's, it literally, like, I feel like if you can get something out of it, it will help, you know, like change your life for the better. I feel <laughs> as a yoga advocate. Um, and so this past summer, um, while I was, you know, in between waiting for field work to start back up and uh, in the midst of like studying for my, you know, national exam, 
I actually did a 200 hour yoga teacher, like certification course. Um, mm -hmm, Thank you. And that was something for me that I feel like I just wanted to do just to kind of, I guess, learn more in depth of the yogic practice. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's also like kind of inspired me to look further into like the connection between yoga and like I guess almost like mental health and just kind of see the connection between the brain or like how the brain responds to certain situations. Um, Like, I guess the psychological aspect of someone who does yoga is mindful and meditates versus someone who like doesn't and how, you know, their day-to-day, you know, like activities are, um, are affected. And that's, I mean, who knows? That might be like a future thesis for me when I, you know, or something. <laughs> I've been thinking ahead, you know, that I might want to explore, um, you know, and see. But right now it's just like kind of like more surface level research in my free time and just seeing how I can incorporate what I know um, that I've gotten from yoga on a more, you know, I guess a level to, because I, right now I work with, um, you know, little kids, uh, between the ages of like, literally a half, my youngest is like a year and a half. So little one to my oldest is uh, 17, but majority I have like the average, I would say is like three and four year olds. And one thing that I can say that I think is really special is I have a lot of like on my caseload, it's a lot of underrepresented, um, you know, families, um, And that when I say that, I mean, you know, like I have, you know, black and brown children, you know, black, indigenous, um, you know, Hispanic. And I feel like they, yeah, primarily they are boys as well. So I feel like, you know, for them seeing someone who, you know, looks like them or someone in their family or like their mother or, you know, or, you know, what have you, and them already having that natural trust, because I do, you know, at the end of the day, like it's something that people. I know it's like, it can be like a sensitive topic, but at the end of the day, like it, we have to have these conversations because it is what it is, you know, I mean, just being honest and just knowing that I am in such a vital position to where I can help not only like facilitate change, um, I guess in OT based, but then also kind of help them or introduce something to them that otherwise they hadn't before and then help them to grow in their individual selves, you know, cause we all know this world is unfortunately it's a crazy place and just, you know, kind of do what I can to help facilitate and foster them navigating through this world and other people, unfortunately looking at them through a certain lens and just to help them find like their peace and just, being okay with you know being themselves and I guess being vulnerable because a lot of times I feel like I can like this is like I can go on and on about you know (laughs) this but I know we don't have the time for it but it's just like I think knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable because a lot of times I think just you know men in general like are taught across different you know cultures that oh y'all have to be we have to be tough and you know this this and that Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day like we're all created you know as humans and we all have you know, emotions that we need to like sort through. And I feel like why not at a younger age introduce that to them? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like you just dropped so many gems in 
like I don't know how long how many minutes but I was just like no just keep talking because <laughs> you it, it was so everything you said was perfect honestly because yoga is like such a great tool to I would say positively use for like stressful moments when you're feeling overwhelmed um, it's just a great resource or a great tool so like for me I I did yoga a little bit like in college because I was part of the track team and my mm -hmm. coach wanted us to partake in yoga at least once a week so she hired this yoga instructor to come in and we did yoga and at first I didn't like it because like I'm tired I don't want to do this but like at the end I felt calm like you like you said like you feel more grounded you feel whole in a way you know mm -hmm. like you just you're at the you're kind of like in this present moment and you are focusing on what you're doing where your hands are where your feet are um just like you're breathing all this stuff is so important to keep in mind when you're doing yoga but also when you're going about your daily day um being mindful um I was just talking to somebody just recently about that like Sometimes I feel like my mind is always multitasking and I'm really trying to be more aware of staying in the present moment. Because sometimes if you're thinking about multiple things at once, you kind of miss <laughs> the moment because you're thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking about when you're doing something like at the like right now. So um, I agree mm -hmm. with that wholeheartedly. Um, I don't do yoga as much now, but I do go to the gym and I lift. And I feel lifting is like my my yoga in a yeah, way yeah. because it mm -hmm. because it, it makes me feel good, it makes me feel whole. And after the after effect, like after you do yoga, you feel at peace, you feel good. And like after I lift and I work out, I feel amazing. And I feel that whatever people do as their you know their tool of you know focusing on their mental health make sure that like after you participate in whatever activity you do that you feel good like you feel whole you feel grounded and it's benefiting you in the most positive way um possible and then one thing I just wanted to mention because I love that you got your yoga cert because that just means that just shows how passionate you are about yoga you know, like you want to learn more about it and you can see this as a tool, not just for like your personal life, but in your profession. And um, for me, I'm like in the process of getting my certification in personal training because I have such oh, a passion for it. Yeah. Like I just love fitness and I love working out. And a lot of people always ask me, oh, can you train me? Can you train me? And I'm mm -hmm. like, I want to train somebody. I'm not going to train somebody if I don't have the certification for it. Cause you know, just liability things, you know, right, like, right. I, don't need some, I don't need somebody to sue me cause they got injured or something. Like I don't have time for that, but um, it just shows how passionate you are about what adds meaning to your life and um, having that certain yoga. Now you can like teach your kiddos how to do yoga things and like that are, um, appropriate for their age group I know there's so many different like yoga moves for kids like oh like crawl like a bear and crawl like a dog and, you know like all these different things and I think it's so cool because yoga can be for 
anybody. It doesn't matter what age you are. Um, even for the elderly, they have chair yoga, <laughs> you know, like for sure. It, mm-hmm. It's so many modifications for it. And um, I think it's just so important to just mention that like mental health is so important, especially now. And sure. we need to make sure that we are having the right outlet to focus on our mental health. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that, you know, um, just, you know, kind of like you said, it's especially in like the world now. And just if we're just imagine like if people were nicer humans, I mean, like, you know, it it could definitely help like Mm -hmm. things come like full circle. But that's another story. But, you know, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. That can be a whole nother. That's going to be a whole nother episode. But as you said, it starts somewhere and as long as we take that first step into you know focusing on what's good for you to make yourself feel good make yourself whole then that's all that matters for sure yeah but we're gonna end it here um thank you so much Fatima for your time um just giving us a nice little um background of your experience as a CODA but also talking about the importance of mental health and even something I learned about your passion about yoga. So that's something cool to, to learn about because I feel like, especially like in our field, we need to make sure that we're focusing our mental health because our jobs are so draining at times. <laughs> so For doing sure. something outside of OT, we need that outlet. So I'm glad that you have yoga um, and you're doing amazing things with that. So just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. And thank you so much, Amber. Like, thank you for even, you know, like having a platform like this and, you know, to be able to have these types of conversations, because I feel like, you know, sometimes like, yes, they can be heavy and like, you know, but they are needed. And I feel like, you know, I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for you to even have this platform to where we can discuss things like this and not only advocate for our profession, of occupational therapy, but just in general, um, just talk about like real life things in the midst of all that as well. So thank you. No problem. (laughs) Not a problem. I feel that it is needed. As you said, like we can't just go around life and act like things are great because Mm -hmm. there are times where we are struggling with different things and I feel that this is a great platform to bring people on to tell their perspectives on how they, you know, they live their life in the best way possible and how we can work together. So people like you in this world are doing amazing things and I love connecting with (laughs) so many. I just love connecting with everybody and I'm just glad I was able to connect with you at this time. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, not a problem. Um, so at the end of the episode, I usually um, allow my guests to um, share their social media handles or any projects that they are doing that they want to let the audience know. This is your time to tell it all. Yeah, so I am on social media. I have a personal Instagram account um, at the moment, and it's at S.M. Yusuf. So I'm sure, like, I can spell it out. So it's <laughs> at S as in Frank, M as in Mary, Y as in yellow, U as in umbrella, S as in Sam, U as in umbrella, F as in Frank, at F.M. Yusuf on Instagram. 
Perfect. And I'm going to put that on the description so everybody knows where to find you. But guys, this was the episode with Fatima. We talked about her experience as a CODA, the differences between CODA and OTR, but we're still working together. It's a team effort. It's not like I'm here, she's there. Like, no, we're all on the same level. And we also talked about the importance of mental health and having an appropriate outlook or an appropriate resource to focus on your mental health. So this was a great conversation. So many gems were dropped in this one. So I hope you guys listened to it. But that's all we got for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.